All right, Acts chapter 8, I think we are. Yes, Acts chapter 8, verse 9. Father, we thank you for your word. We're just going to continue in our worship of you, Father, with your word by surrendering our hearts. Even as believers, your word means nothing if our hearts are hard. So, Father, we pray for a soft heart, even now, for your Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives. Father, we submit, we humble ourselves. And that's hard for us prideful Americans. But we humble ourselves and say, your will be done. Show us corporately, show us individually how to apply these scriptures to our lives. We need to be more like Jesus. We don't need to be more like a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. We need to be more like Jesus. So do a work. I pray for the gift of teaching and that you'll be glorified through your word this morning in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're new or visiting, we're picking it up. We're going through the book of Acts verse by verse. And uh, the persecution is taking place. Uh, the church is being dispersed. And we have found ourselves zeroing on and a deacon, a single deacon, by the way, single man by the name of Philip, who has gone out and he is now in Samaria. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. 
So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. You might want to write these down. Proverbs 27, 1 and 2. Proverbs 27, 1 and 2. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Second Corinthians 10, 12 says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who are, who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. And then Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Where there is purity, we've just read about Philip here and what is going on. Where there is purity, the enemy will be close behind with perversity. Purity versus perversity. Philip is being used mightily by God through pure motives. And comes across the path of a man named Simon who has acquired power. The scriptures show us this. He has acquired power. And his position, by the way, through what I believe are demonic forces. Demonic forces. You see, it is not a position of power, but an attitude of service. This is what sets us apart. And we can even see it in our text here this morning, Simon and Philip. An attitude of service that the children of God should be seeking after. So even you and me, in life, especially the life of the church, because we make up the body of believers, and every single believer, guys, every single believer has a gift. And the Bible says you should be using that gift outside the church, but especially within the church. You need to find out what that gift is and be using that gift because you are a member of the body of Christ. Now, you may move or you may go to another church. That's fine. You now become a member of that body, but it doesn't stop. You're a member of the body of Christ, big C, big C. There's only one church in the whole world, one church. And so if you're a part of that church, you are a member. And wherever you go, this church or whatever church, you're to be asking yourself, I want to be served, I want to be ministered to, but how can I also serve? How can I also minister We see that Philip had an attitude of service which God was blessing immensely. While Simon was seeking after power and prestige, which God will judge harshly. And we're going to see that Simon here had some type of power that caused others to think that he was someone very special, as we see in verse 10. To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. Yeah, this is a very dangerous place to be at or to be in. And, and when people come up, and I've said this so many times, people come up to me and say, I know, you, I know, I know. They, they preface it with that because I don't touch and everyone on staff, and I've taught this and try to exemplify this. We never touch God's glory. If God uses us, thank you for saying thank you. That's wonderful. Um, and I used to go on and on and on. And, I, and when I went to Bible college, I saw so many pastors say, don't go on and on. Oh, you know, oh, well, it's just the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, it's just, oh. just say thank you. That's all you need to say. Just say thank you. And so if somebody compliments you, just say thank you. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit working through me. Yeah, just say thank you. Nothing wrong with saying thank you by any means. But 
We have to be careful also for those of us who are in leadership or if you're thinking about getting into leadership to make sure that you don't touch God's glory. God may use us for his glory, but it is always for his glory. Always for his glory. And by his power via the Holy Spirit. On Sunday morning, guys, I pray every single week throughout the week, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can teach. I want to teach your word. I want to, I want to bless the flock. I want to disciple the flock. I don't ever stand up here on a Sunday morning with my own power. Never, ever. I will never do that. Be an idiot to do that. Foolish. As a Sunday school teacher, you should never do that. Any, any person leading a Bible study never get to that point. Ever. Very, very foolish. And if you're learning, if you're designed to learn how to become part of leadership or do something for the Lord further than you are doing, just keep that simple fact in your, in your mind. God, it's your Holy Spirit that's doing this anyways. So use me. Just use me. I want to be used by you. He'll, he'll, he'll answer that prayer. I can guarantee you that. He will answer that prayer. Verse 11. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with sorceries for a long time. He amazed them. He astonished them with magic. The word sorceries there is magic. You see, because the people of Samaria were ignorant or had a lack of knowledge about this spiritual area, they were deceived by this sorcerer. Is this happening at all in our country? I think there's, I don't know what she's called, Long Island, I don't know, some, Long Island what? Medium. 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 There you go. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. The Long Island medium. Is it surprising? You know, Satan knows the past. Demons know the past. Could they direct someone to a body of a loved one who's been murdered? Yes. But because they're ignorant of the word of God, the world as a whole, they think it's some big deal. It's it's not a big deal at all. How about the future? Let's talk about the future. Can Satan predict the future? No. I mean, he can predict it, but he's not going to be right. Who has predicted the future? God. And has he been right? Yes. And is he being right today? Yes. Guys, do you know the Middle East right now is fulfilling Ezekiel? Gog, which is a title, which we believe is Russia, has now become the focal point of who? Iran, who wants to annihilate Israel. Syria, who wants to annihilate Israel. Turkey, who wants to annihilate Israel. There's an alliance in Ezekiel that references these countries today, and they, it is all coming together now. Not a year ago, not five years ago, not ten years ago, because some of these countries hated each other. But now, now, because Jesus is coming back, there's an alliance that is being formed that was foretold in the Bible thousands of years ago. So should we be surprised? No. God knows the future. The enemy does not. So we want to keep that in our minds. Now, either Simon was really good at deception, quick with the hand, or he was being used by the spiritual enemy of God, the devil. Let's look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The devil can only be in one place at one time. He is a fallen angel. Don't look for him behind every bush, because he's not. We believe from Revelation, that one-third of the heavenly host went with him, so departed, were cast out of heaven, which if it's one-third, if that's correct, what does that leave us with? Two-thirds of the angels. So we still have a majority. But forget that. 
Which, by the way, one angel wiped out 185 Assyrians in one night in the Old Testament. So one angel is very powerful. we got two-thirds. But even beyond that, we've got God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling within us as believers. So it's no match. It's not like the devil and God. Who's going to win? Jesus is going to speak. The devil's done. There's not a big battle. (laughs) Read your Bible. In 2 Corinthians 11, it says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Notice this. So even in the church, in that day, 2,000 years ago, there were people who were saying they were following Jesus, following God, but yet they were deceivers. Paul puts it right out here. Notice, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers. Is that happening in the church in America today? Absolutely. Well, it's okay to live together. Outside of marriage, it's great to have sex together. Is that biblically correct? No, no. But churches are okay with that. We're not. This church doesn't go with that. You need to repent if you're doing that. Is homosexuality acceptable? No. Is drunkenness acceptable? No. How about gambling and wasting your money instead of paying your bills? No. Sin is not acceptable. But because churches want numbers, they don't address these things. Because I don't want to scare anybody away. How about maybe getting somebody to repent? Using the word of God to get ourselves to repent so they'll be right with God. Verse 14, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Notice that, guys. It's in the word of God. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, so if human beings are also transforming themselves into ministers of righteousness. But here's the point, whose end will be according to their works. Destruction. You know, remember back in Exodus when Moses went before Pharaoh and asked him to release the Jews so they could go back to the promised land? Moses threw down the rod given to him by God and it became a serpent. It was one of the signs that God told Moses to use to prove that he was sending him to Egypt. Well, the the Egyptian magicians, they did the same things. They said, big deal. They threw down a rod, it became a snake. But as you read the Bible, Aaron's rod, Aaron's snake, swallowed up the other snakes, ate them alive. The next day, God used Moses to turn the waters of the Nile into blood, and this plague killed the fish of the Nile as well as other surrounding bodies of water. Well, the magicians, they didn't want him to be undone. So they did the same thing, <laughs> real bright. They caused additional water to be turned into blood, bringing upon further death. Then Moses came back again to Pharaoh and asked him to let the people go. Pharaoh wouldn't listen, so Moses brought a plague of frogs upon the land. And these frogs were everywhere. Could you imagine going home and you open your kitchen cabinet and there's frogs in your kitchen cabinet, in your bowls. You open up the upper cabinets. There's a frog on your plate and in your drinking glass. Go home today. When you go home today, just envision that. They were everywhere. You're walking and you're trying not to step on them and you still step on them. Those slimies. They were everywhere. So what should we do? The magicians joined in. We can do that too. And they brought forth more frogs. You see, the magicians obviously didn't believe in Satan and his desires to destroy God's creation. Still happening today, guys. People don't believe in God. They don't believe in Satan. 
Because if they say they believe in God, they wouldn't be living like the devil like I was doing before I knew Jesus. If you really believe in God, then you're not going to live like the devil because you know you're going to hell. You're going to repent. You're going to say, I need Jesus. Next, the Lord had Moses bring forth lice upon the Egyptians. The magicians tried to do the same, but this time God said enough to his spiritual enemy. And as you read the word, Satan has to approach the throne of God. God said enough, and they couldn't. You see, I look at this in this act as God was actually showing his mercy upon the Egyptians. If God would have allowed the enemy his way, the enemy would have totally destroyed Egypt with all of his people. Because remember, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So what was the common expression of Pharaoh's magicians regarding Moses? That they could make things worse. This is for you and I today, as we have this battle going on in ourselves of flesh and spirits. They can make things worse. The flesh has enticements. And it will make things worse. It will never make things better. Only the Holy Spirit can make things better. So I have a choice. I can feed the flesh or I can feed the Spirit. But if I want to be more like Jesus, I only have one option. Feed the Spirit. Feed the Spirit. And the Spirit will crucify the flesh. It's that simple. It was only when Moses went out and prayed to the God of heaven that the various plagues were stopped. But you see, guys, how do we apply this to our lives today? That's the way the enemy of our soul works. He will try, he will only try to make things worse for us. His, his number one tactic is to try to deceive the whole world, believer as well as unbeliever. You'll find that in Revelation 12.10. You see, the deception that we receive may appear, this is for you and I this morning, the deception that we receive, because the enemy's trying to deceive all of us, myself included. He can't, if I'm in the word, if I'm praying, if I'm fellowshipping, if I'm seeking after God, he's not going to be able to deceive me because my eyes are going to be open to those deceptions. So I have to receive the deception first and foremost. The enemy can't make me do it. Like uh, somebody said back in the 60s or 70s, the devil made me do it. No, 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 no. I receive it. And it may appear to benefit us for a season. See, we got the tax season coming up right here, January, February. Everybody loves tax season. Give the Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. Don't try to cheat Caesar. But the enemy might whisper in your ear, well, you know, if you just do this, it'll be okay. You know, you just do that, it'll be okay. And we might go, yeah, you know, I could do that, and I could cut that, and I could do this, and I could, I could, you know, falsify a little bit, but nobody will know, and it's not really that big a deal. I mean, the government, what are they going to know? They're never, they don't, not going to notice. No, God knows. But the truth will eventually come forth to help us realize that it's just gotten worse. When all of a sudden we get that IRS. Hi, we'd like to do an audit on you. Uh, do you have receipts for that? Uh, mm, boy, it's felt so good three months ago. That's a typical tactic up for us guys that we have to be careful of. So Simon might have been quick with the hand, but more than likely he was being used by the enemy to distract people from the truth. But once the truth came on the scene through who? Who brought the truth? Philip, an ordinary deacon, a single man, 
The minds of the people came to understand and receive the truth. It was the truth that set them free. And that sounds familiar, doesn't it? John chapter 8, 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, as Jesus would say to you and me today as disciples, if you abide in my word, what's the key word there in that phrase? Abide. Abide. If you abide, if I abide, I will not be deceived. Now, I can still disobey. I'm not saying that. (laughs) But I won't be deceived. I'll just go, yeah, I know it was wrong and I did it anyways. That's disobedience. I won't be deceived, though. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So even in our society that thinks we're getting more and more freedom by protesting and arguing and demanding, they're not getting more and more freedom. They're becoming more and more captivated by the enemy and his tactics. Thinking that if I just had more money, I would be more free. It never satisfies. It never satisfies. Instead, we need to study the truth and present the truth as Philip did. We're seeing Simon and Philip here, the comparisons. It's the truth of God's word that sets people free from the snare of the enemy. Verse 12. And when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. And again, I I hear this on a regular basis from you all and other people. I, I discourage you from preaching politics. If you want to take a stand, take a stand. But don't die for that stand. Die for Jesus. Preach Jesus. The unbeliever needs Jesus. They, they, they don't need another president. They need Jesus. Because the unbeliever could die today. And we need to do our due diligence and vote. So again, don't, if you're new, be responsible. Register, vote, be responsible. I'm not negating that. But but our main focus as believers in Jesus Christ, as ambassadors for Christ, is to preach the kingdom of God. And the name of Jesus Christ, notice here, both men and women were baptized or water baptized. Which again is very, very important for us, even to this day, Romans chapter 6. But back then, it was a symbol, a very important symbol. I am no longer going down that road, I am now going down this road. I am a believer. I am going to get sold out for Jesus. So Simon here in verse 13, then Simon himself also believed. So now we're introduced to this man named Simon. And when he was baptized, so in other words, he believed and he was water baptized. He continued with Philip. So he started to hang out with Philip. And was amazed seeing the miracles and signs that were done. Why was he amazed? Because he used to do things through the enemy's power. The Antichrist, it even says in in Revelation, is going to be empowered by Satan himself. So for a person to do something great doesn't necessarily mean anything. And I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get to it. But be careful. Be careful. We'll get to that towards the end of the service. We need to discern between the spirits. Verses 14 through 17. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not, he had fallen upon none. And the key word there to me, upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we did this study, I don't know, maybe two months ago upon 
para in the Greek. There's three words, para. The Holy Spirit is around us. The Holy Spirit's right now in this room around us. The Holy Spirit is in, E-N in the Greek, or I-N in English. The Holy Spirit's in us. And then we as believers are to pray, we believe at Calvary, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit will come upon us and empower us. Epe, E-P-I, upon, the English word. And so I firmly believe, I wouldn't argue with you or anyone, but I firmly believe this is what is being laid out here. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Word got back to the disciples that Samaritans had received the word of God. And so who heads down there? Peter and John. And upon their arrival, they noticed that the Samaritans had not received the second baptism which I've already mentioned, Calvary believes is the coming upon experience of the Holy Spirit through the laying out of the hands of the eldership, specifically in the Bible. We're to come up to the elders and ask for the elders to lay hands on us. So Peter and John laid hands on them, asking for the Holy Spirit to come upon them, and he did. And there was an outward evidence of some sort, probably but not limited to, speaking in tongues. You see, remember last week we talked about the history of the Samaritans? I think that this is why they didn't receive the gift or the coming upon of the Holy Spirit at first. God did not desire to have two churches, but rather one body. Remember last week, guys? The Jews were the Jews, but Samaria were the half-breeds. So they were Jewish, but they were intermingled with the pagans, the Gentiles, so they were half-breeds. So they had two different groups. The Jews in uh, Judea and in the Galilee did not like the Samaritans. And the Samaritan Jews in Samaria area did not loot like the Galileans or the Judeans, even though they were all Jews. There was prejudice. There was division. And so we have to be careful, even in our own lives. We talked about that last week, having prejudices. But here, Peter and John go. You see, Jerusalem was no longer going to be the center of worship for the Jew, nor would Mount Gerizim be the center of worship for the Samaritan. We talked about that last week. You can get the CD. It was going to be the preaching and teaching of Jesus being the Messiah via the Old Testament scriptures. That brought about true worship wherever that location may be. And I don't know if you've ever had the chance of traveling. We've traveled a little bit here and there and done missionary work here and there. And it's just amazing. We went to Egypt, could not speak Arabic. But our brothers and sisters in Christ were our brothers and sisters in Christ, even though there was a language barrier. I mean, there was just commonality. I, I don't speak Spanish, taco, burrito, enchilada. I love those. And then, of course, the baños. Where's the baños? Got to know where that is. That's it for my Spanish. But going down there, brothers and sisters in, your brothers and sisters in Christ. They're just commonality. Who? Jesus. Jesus. That's the uniqueness of our faith. John 4.24 says this, God is a spirit, Jesus said, and they that worship him must worship him with loud music and hymns. No, no, soft music and modern... No, it's... uh, Those who worship him must worship him in spirits, the Holy Spirit, and truth. That's worship, guys. Not your favorite hymn. Not how loud it is. Not whether there's one person up here or a team of people. Just spirit and truth. 
You see, true worship comes from a free gift of salvation via the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Psalm 138 very quickly. Psalm 138, just one verse, but it's a very important verse. I encourage you to memorize this verse. It's very, very important to you. Because some people will say, you know what, you people at Calvary Chapel, you're just so into Bible, 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 Bible. I never apologize for that. I say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. True worship comes from the free gift of salvation via the Holy Spirit by reading God's word. Why? Why is the Bible so important? Psalm 138 verse 2. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you, who? God. For God has magnified your word above all your name, above the temple, above any relationship, above everything. The word of God is to be elevated above everything. So I encourage you to memorize that and know that. And yes, if you want to talk about politics, talk about politics. You want to talk about sports, talk about sports. Nothing wrong with that stuff per se. Just don't get into a heated debate and make that a point of contention. Just stop yourself and just, you know what, you know what, you know what? I am so sorry. What am I doing? I love Jesus. Do you know Jesus? See, at the end of the day, we're all going to die. And there's no voting in heaven. Jesus is ruling and reigning. So do you know Jesus? Maybe you just need to do that. Maybe you just need to stop. Maybe I need to do that sometimes. Just to stop. That's okay. Just do it. You'll say, but I'll look like a fool. You'll be a fool for who? For Jesus which talks about in the scriptures. Be a fool for Christ. It's okay. They will appreciate it. Believe me, they will appreciate it. Verses uh, 18 and 19. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this these verses give us some insight into the heart of Simon the sorcerer. He wanted to buy the ability that Peter and John had. And I don't want to go on an extreme because I don't know anything more about this guy. So it would be not good expositional teaching to go on and on and on and create a whole Bible study of how bad Simon was. Because that, that's not the... I, I can't say that. And I don't think you can either. What I, what I can see from the scriptures is that he believed, he got water baptized, and as a young believer, he asked something silly. Now, when you were a young believer, did you ever ask for anything silly? Did you ever pray for anything silly? And then as you got older, you kept reading the word of God, and you look back and you go, boy, was that silly. Simon didn't have the whole word of God. The New Testament wasn't written yet. He's just going by what he saw in Philip. And he's bringing, unfortunately, his old baggage with him. I used to be a sorcerer, and and I used to learn tricks and do this and do that. Hey, here's a new trick. Can I have that too? So he, just, to me, he just had to learn. He just had to learn. Like we all have to learn. So if you're a new believer here this morning, you're going to have to learn. And, and there's no such thing as getting it all and knowing it all. No matter how old you are, if you're serving the Lord, you're going to be learning because you're going to make mistakes. When you step out, you will make mistakes, but God's there for you. Verse 20, but Peter said to him, your money, money perish with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. Now here is very bold Peter. And I don't want to elevate Peter at the same time. 
thinking that Peter had it all together because in Galatians, Paul is going to rebuke Peter for his hypocrisy. You ladies are studying that in the book of Galatians. So don't elevate anybody in the Bible, anyone on this earth. We're all human, frail frail humans that are trying to serve God. But in the boldness, I believe via the Holy Spirit, Peter says, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart, notice, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. So what does Peter say? Get away from me. I never want to talk to you again. No, he says, repent. Repent. You're going down the wrong road, Simon. Repent. Therefore, of this your wickedness. I I can relate to this bringing Roman Catholicism into my Christianity. And, And again, we'll get to it in a few verses here. And again, if you're new or visiting, we don't bash other religions, but we speak the truth in love. I brought, as a Roman Catholic, Roman Catholic traditions into my Christianity. And as I grew and as I read my Catholic Bible, I started to find the contradictions. Because as you read from Genesis to Revelation, the contradiction is like, the truth will set you free, the truth will set you free. And I would go to the priest and there was contention. Well, the church fathers. No, it's the Bible or, or nothing at all. So that's why we had to leave the church. So you could still bring along your old baggage, as a young, so if you're young in the Lord, don't be surprised if you do that. Just repent. Just repent. Ask for an older saint to come alongside. That's why we have men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies and, and marriage enrichment and single gatherings and young adults and all these other get home fellowships. Because we all make, anybody make a mistake this past week? Did anybody make a mistake this past week? Raise your hand high so we can flog you. <laughs> Everybody makes mistakes. Okay, so that's off the table. So do we need each other? Yes. But do we get together often? No. You see the contradiction? So guys, we don't just do these things for a social setting. We do it so we can encourage each other, strengthen each other, and learn more about the Word of God. Come out to these things. So Peter rebukes him and encourages him in verse 22, just repent, therefore, of your wickedness and pray to God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see, so now here's an older believer talking to, I believe, a younger believer. I'm not going to say Simon's not a believer. The scriptures don't say Simon's not a believer. So Peter rebukes a younger believer, for I see that you are poisoned by by bitterness and bound by iniquity. So maybe Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying, you used to do a lot of tricks and deceive people. Philip's getting the attention now, and he's not deceiving people. He's just speaking the truth, and, and the pendulum is swung, and you're not the center of the universe anymore. Philip is. Well, God is via Philip. So maybe he was developing bitterness against Philip and bound by iniquity. Well, maybe I can just purchase this. Maybe I can just purchase. Then Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. I think that's a great request. Again, I could really do a study on this and say, see, this is why he wasn't a believer. He has Simon to pray for him instead of him praying himself. No, the scriptures teach us. Go to each other. Ask each other to pray for each other. That's totally scriptural. Nothing wrong with that. But in our pride, we typically don't do that because we have it all together. And if we ask for prayer, that means we don't have it all together. People will look down upon us, blah, 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 blah. Which people don't look down upon us. They love us. They just wish they'd ask us for prayer. Just a vicious cycle that we get ourselves into. Because we, we get we listen to the enemy. We all raised our hands. We're all sinners. We 
There are saints, most of us in this room. If you're not a saint, if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, today is the day of salvation. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritan. Isn't that interesting? Why weren't they already out preaching? Because they were half-breeds. And we don't want to be around half-breeds. We're prejudiced. Can that happen to us? We talked about that last week, so we won't go over it again. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, and we'll wrap it up with a bunch of verses here, so turn quickly. Deuteronomy 18, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer. Notice that, or a sorcerer. Or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritualist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you will dispose, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. Next couple ones, we're just going to throw up slides for the sake of time. So go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, as we put up these slides. Leviticus 20, verse 6. I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums. i got to read my horoscope. Or in those who consult the spirits of the dead. As a Roman Catholic, every Mass. Again, this is just the truth. If you don't believe me, check it out yourself. At the Mass, you pray that the dead would pray for you. Every Mass. So you're praying to the dead. Why would I bring that up? Because one in five people, I believe, on the face of the earth are Roman Catholic. So again, it's not to bash, it's to teach them the truth. Don't pray to the dead. The Bible tells you, don't do that. I will cut them off from the community. Leviticus 19.31 says, Do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or to those who consult the spirits of the dead. I am the Lord your God. And then let's at 1 John chapter 4. We'll wrap it up with these verses. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit, whether they are of God. So that's for you and I as believers. And an easy test is, again, by reading from Genesis to Revelation. And as a spirit comes to you and whispers, hey, you're married in God's eyes. He said that he loves you. You can you can be together and have sex because he loves you. Well, wait a minute. The Bible says no, so the spirit says no. And watch him disappear. He will disappear. I can guarantee you. I've seen it over and over and over again. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Again, very important here. When the Mormons knock on your door, test the spirit. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the spirit brother of Lucifer. Okay. I don't need to know anything more about your religion. I don't need to know anything more. He is the son of God, the only son of God, and he has come in the flesh. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. 
You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world. And the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. So it's disappointing when they walk away. It's grieving when they walk away. And they want to argue religion. But that's not our. we're not to argue religion. We're just to take to them Jesus. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So for us today, don't talk to the dead. They're dead. They're not looking down on heaven. Believe me, this is a dump to them. They're in heaven. They're rejoicing at the throne of God. Don't talk to the dead. Don't try to conjure anything up. And how do we discern good from evil? Genesis to Revelation. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these examples in your word of Philip and Simon. I I personally believe he's a believer, but it doesn't matter. You know God. We can just learn from it. That we have to check our hearts. Because even as mature believers, we can find ourselves (laughs) becoming bitter against somebody else getting ahead of us. Somebody else getting praise. Somebody else making better financial decisions. We can find ourselves becoming bitter and angry and resentful. We can find ourselves getting captivated by iniquity. But the truth will set us free. So Father, help us to stay focused on the truth. To not give in to these other spirits, to to even as your Bible says, do, do not invite them into our homes, not to invite false doctrine into our homes, to give an appearance to a neighbor that we're condoning this lie from the pit of hell, but to teach them the truth at the door doorstep. May we be ambassadors for Christ this week, Father, for your glory, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand and we encourage you, go to the website, start doing the bulletin, sign up for the workday, for anything else. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, please come forward. We would love to pray for you to receive Jesus. Need prayer for anything? Please come forward. The elders will pray for you. God bless you guys.